0: faithwire.com.
1: CBN's Tara Merchner joins us today to discuss a harrowing interview with an Afghan survivor and the latest on those planes being held up in Afghanistan. Turns out the Pentagon was really one of the ones worried about it and holding up the process. Today's Wednesday, September 8th, 2021. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have this top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's FaithWire. I want to welcome in all the listeners to the Daily Rundown. We've joined forces with them. We'll be here each Wednesday. We do four big stories, three things you need to know about them on this podcast, all from a Christian perspective. That's what we do. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. We're here daily. We'd love to have you with us. And joining me as always is Trey Goins-Phillips from faithwire.com with a look at what's coming up. How's it Happy going, Trey? Hump day. Yes. Hump day. Is it Wednesday? I yes. thought it was like Friday. I'm like all out of whack. It's the holiday. It makes me think it's like, I'm, I I don't know. know. I'm upside down.
0: Well, when you, yeah, when you're, when we have off on Monday or Friday, like either one, it just starts off the rest of the, Mm -hmm. the rest of the days. But coming up on the podcast, we're going to talk about uh, Jimmy Kimmel, who said this week that the unvaccinated should be denied emergency medical care if they Mm -hmm. need it. So oh we'll see how that squares with his universal health care for everybody claims. <laughs> uh, so and then uh, local schools are getting $1.8 million uh, to teach the gift of Bible history in Tennessee. That's an interesting story. Good story there. Uh, and then Whoopi Goldberg says that abortion exists because people, quote, got tired of tripping over women in bathrooms with hangers in their bodies. Oh, oh boy. So We'll look into a little bit of that. Is that just kind of a scare tactic or, uh, you know, can we actually know that for certain?
1: <laughs> oh, man. it's, it's you're, you're trying to kill me today with Whoopi Goldberg and Jimmy Kimmel, aren't you? Aren't I you? know. It's a double whammy. It's a double whammy. <laughs> All right. Let's dive into story number one here. An Afghan woman who helped the American military for over a decade and a half. Her family was abandoned in Afghanistan, and she's speaking out to CBN News after she managed to survive In the chaos of kabul airport and get on one of those planes with her kids but again a lot of her family was left behind so here's three things you need to know starting with number one the details the big story on CBN News right now, CBN's Tara Mergener has a gripping interview with an Afghan escapee, and we, we'll get to her story in a minute, but wanted to start right now on the other big story that was also in Tara's report of these planes that are being held up in Afghanistan, and the, the initial reports were that the Taliban was holding them up, that's what uh, Rep. Mike, Mike McCall said. Uh, And now we're hearing as well that there was, um, you know, just a breakdown in negotiations with the State Department and they may be involved with holding some of these planes up as well. So, Tara, thanks for being here, um, first of all. And uh, what's the latest you're hearing on these uh, on these planes?
2: Well, Dan, the reality is nobody really knows for sure why they are still sitting there. You've got about 600 passengers waiting to take off among them. A good number of Americans, and they're just sitting there. This has been going on for days. Uh, apparently, we're hearing that negotiations to allow the planes to leave um, broke down. Uh, unclear why. Um, they're trying to get out of there. They're, it's, it's unclear whether they're sitting on the planes, where, what's exactly happening to them while they're waiting. But there's a big blame game going on. Is it the Taliban? That's holding them up, as the Biden administration claims. And then, you know, there's reports now that it's actually the State Department that is holding up the show and refusing to grant official approval for these private evacuation flights from Afghanistan to land in other countries. Um, And among those who believe it's the State Department, if not totally or at least in part holding up the show, is Plan B, that is a group a private group that is organizing these evacuations to get these planes out of there. And they say that the State Department is the reason behind the fact that they're not moving. So at the end of the day, you've got all these Americans in this precarious and very limbo situation, not knowing if they're ever going to get out of there.
1: Yeah, it's really wild. And, you know, especially, I mean, there's other all kinds of news coming out on this and We're seeing that, you know, four of the prisoners that Obama exchanged for Bo Bergdahl, they're now in senior Taliban posts. And so I think one of the conundrums here, Tara, is you've got a Taliban government uh, with obvious al Qaeda senior members in it. And there once the United States has left there on the ground, um, who's responsible for essentially being the TSA there of of in Afghanistan? It's the Taliban. So. Now you can right. see why the State Department maybe has some concerns and why these negotiations might have some problem. Obviously, me just speculating there, but but um, but it seems to make logical sense that you can't trust the Taliban.
2: Well, they're terrorists. Yeah. So, I mean, look at their track record. I mean, they, they are a terror group. So at the airports, they are at every airport, and uh, we're understanding every gate. At every Mm. airport so so people can't get out of there and they're claiming they are there to keep the peace so another development in afghanistan you know speaking of of quote-unquote peace women are protesting right now Mm. because they want a voice in the next government they want inclusion they want equality and their peaceful protests at least that's what they're being described as they are being met with um rifle butts hmm. metal bats um tear gas they're being beaten they say so i mean that's the history yeah that they're you know they may claim they want to keep the peace but their actions you know appear to say yeah.
1: otherwise yeah and uh, look you spoke to a, a woman who escaped from afghanistan before the flights were shut down and she basically i mean first of all the whole interview is very gripping but uh and very tragic and sad but she essentially testified to what you're just saying about those women there that because there's this narrative going around in the media well may, maybe the, Talib, the talibans saying they turned over a new leaf and they're not the same as they were uh, 20 years ago this woman says yeah they're not the same as uh, they are 20 years ago they're worse so tell us what she said
2: Well, yeah, 20 years ago, we didn't have the technology Mm. that we have today. I mean, take it right down to the cell phone level. All you can do just just with a cell phone. So she's terrified. Somehow she believes she's not 100% sure, I guess, in the chaos. She believes she got back on a U.S. military plane, but can't exactly say. Can you imagine under the cover of night and all that chaos trying to get your kids on that plane?
1: So...
2: She has her father still there, her husband, her two sisters, her two brothers. That's just the immediate family. And she says they were working with the American government over the last many years. She worked alongside the U.S. government, helping in the mission in international groups for 16 years. So the Taliban's priority we're understanding is it's not even Americans and hunting them down. It's the folks that worked with the U S government. She is especially concerned for her two sisters who did the same and her mother's dying wish. Her mom died from COVID not that long ago. And her mother's dying wish was please help your two sisters. Mm. She could not. She said, here I am. I've given 16 years to help the United States government and I'm helpless there is nothing I can do to help them
0: mm.
2: so she says the Taliban she it the before and the after the Taliban 20 years was what it was it was more primitive I guess but she says they are more bold they are more empowered and she says the, the United States I'm paraphrasing failed mm. And she's begging the United States and other groups, too late for the U.S., except for the private planes apparently, but she's begging them not to abandon Afghanistan. Mm. She knows what's coming. She says, you know, millions of women, their lives are at stake. They gave so much over the last 20 years to make progress, and she says she wakes up in the morning, and it's awful because she knows that everything they did and everything they worked for is gone.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, just absolutely tragic stuff. And it's particularly infuriating uh to a lot of Americans to see all of this happening days before the 20th anniversary of 9 11. And, you know, some years I watch a lot of the, you know, footage from 9 11. I don't want to forget it. I'm, I'm never going to forget it. I mean, I live through it. Um, but, I still want to keep it fresh in my mind, and so I watch it from time to time. Certain years more than others, and this year I said, "You know what? I'm going to watch." Um, I, you, you may have seen Tara, that documentary from the two French guys who were following the rookie firefighter. Um, it's it's incredible stuff. But um, but I watched that again over the weekend, and man, it just it just really hits you different, knowing what we're seeing unfold in Afghanistan. And you spoke with this woman. And just what you relayed there about her fears for the future. What, what was the sense you got from her um, just about her state of being? Like, what did, what did she, what kind of, you know, sense was she putting off? What kind of emotion were you seeing from her? What, what was the sense you got?
2: You know, it's, it's, it's ironic because, you know, she said that Afghanistan to America is the difference between heaven and hell. Mm. But at the same time, she says she is hopeless. That's, that's the word she used. She's mm. hopeless. She has nowhere to turn. Now, that said, Jewish Family Service is helping or attempting to help at least get her remaining family members to safety, at least that much. Um, but ideally, they'd be able to get them out of there. But it's so it's so secretive and confidential and dangerous. Yeah. They're not giving a ton of information. Certainly, they're not going to share how right. in the world they're going to do that because she also talked to me about the fact that there's nowhere to go. You know, we had this family from Texas that made it over the border somehow, you know, on land. But the fact of the matter is, she says, is that you go to the borders of all these countries, people are being executed. Hmm. There's no way out. Wow. Can you even imagine?
1: No. It's just, it's tragic all the way around. And again, as I said, you know, on the anniversary of 9-11 here, I mean, just doubly, doubly tragic, um, given what was started and why it was started 20 years ago. So, um, nevertheless, gripping report there, Tara, great interview, great job. And, uh, thank you for uh, bringing yeah. us some more details on it here today.
2: Yeah. And, and, just to echo your thoughts on 9-11, it is very painful Um, to think back Mm. and and remember that. And a lot of people who were not there were not adults at the time that happened should take the time, as you say, to, to, to look at the history because over time people do forget or the the generation behind us does not have that perspective, not having gone through that. Unfortunately, you know, I was not, in new york city i was reporting on it in another state on the ground where the pilot from one of the flights that hit the world trade center that had left out of boston um was on that flight and died Mm -hmm. and then have to interview his family uh after that happened you know more than once excruciating so i I hope every take a moment you know on a little bit different note and really remember uh, you know, the people that died. I had relatives in the trade center that survived. Um, it, it, it's it's horrible to remember, mm. but definitely something we can't forget our history.
1: Amen. Well said. Thanks, Tara. Appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. And so number two on this story, we're just starting to now hear these stories of survival. And uh, given the secrecy of the ongoing efforts, as Tara had mentioned there, uh, we're not going to know about many of these stories until much later on and so number three why does it matter well I, we need to just continue to bathe this situation in prayer because yeah. as i said those efforts are still ongoing and as you heard in this interview um that woman said she feels hopeless i mean you could hear the despair um in the actual interview which you can see on the cbn news youtube channel uh and on our websites and cbn and FaithWire, um and you can hear the hopelessness and it's just so sad um that they're in this predicament now and uh, you know they just feel like there's no way they can get their loved ones out, and so, uh, but there are efforts ongoing. Obviously, they can't give details, or else you know th- that would kind of ruin those efforts. So we just got to be praying for those.
0: Yeah, for sure. And there are so many different efforts that are that are going on, like you mentioned, I mean, with the Nazarene Fund uh, and and, and yeah. other charities that are that are working there on the ground, uh, some faith based and some not, just to get people. Uh, who want to get out, out. And I, I've been bothered this whole time by um, Biden saying, well, if Americans want to get out, yeah. they'll be able to get out. Like, right. what name an American who doesn't want to get out. <laughs> like, I mean, is, the American citizens want to leave. I mean, certainly there are some Afghans we've talked about on the podcast before, and probably some some missionaries who want to stay. Uh, but that's such a remote group of people. I mean, people just want to get out, and the, you know, the damage is already done. We've ripped the Band-Aid off. We've talked yeah. A whole lot about how mismanaged this entire process was but as believers we know that the, the situation is what it is now and we just need to be praying like you said Dan uh, that God would move and that the gospel would would obviously flourish there but that people would be safe uh, and more people would come to know Christ yeah. so all right story number two so despite his longstanding support of free universal health care Regardless of pre-existing conditions, late-night show host Jimmy Kimmel said this week that unvaccinated people should be denied medical care. So here are three things you need to know, starting number one with the details. Uh, So Kimmel ridiculed people who have used the anti-malaria drug ivermectin and then said that unvaccinated people, like I mentioned, who need emergency care should be denied ICU beds in the hospital. We're going to play a clip first of his comments this week, immediately followed by comments he made in the past about his belief that everyone, regardless of their condition, should receive free medical care. It's up more than
2: 300% from a year ago. Dr. Fauci said that if hospitals get any more overcrowded, they're going to have to make some very tough choices about who gets an ICU bed. I don't know, that choice doesn't seem so tough to me. Vaccinated person having a heart attack? Yes, come right on in. We'll take care of you. Unvaccinated guy who gobbled horse goo? Rest in peace, Wheezy. You're. That's- I'm going to say it again. It's more important than ever to call your senators and tell them not to gut American health care, not to turn their backs on people with pre-existing conditions. (laughs) This number will direct you to your senator. Call him or her. Encourage your friends and family to call. Let me know how it goes. We have until September 30th to uh, try to dodge this bullet.
0: So that was he was talking about the uh, universal health care with Obamacare and, and some of the pre-existing condition, all the, all that kind of stuff that was in that bill, wanting to protect it. So, I mean, but quite a difference there huh? <laughs> yeah. from from you know from just a couple of years ago. He even talked about it last year again. I believe that was from 2017. And he had talked about it before. Uh, last year, he he mentioned the importance of protecting uh, pre-existing conditions and that medical care should be free and accessible. And then this week, he's got a whole different uh Whole different message. So uh, number two, uh, I'm not really sure how Kimmel able to square that, uh, what I just mentioned. In 2017, when his then newborn son was diagnosed with a heart condition at birth, he said that no family should be denied medical care, emergency, or, other, or otherwise. And then, as I just mentioned last year, he said the vast majority of this country believes that health insurance should cover Americans with pre-existing conditions. Uh, it's also worth noting that Kimmel relied on bad reporting Uh, to attack people who aren't vaccinated against COVID-19 and who have taken ivermectin. Uh, He said that the poison control center in Mississippi has been overloaded with 70% of calls having to do with ivermectin overdoses. Now, I have to say that that's not entirely Kimmel's fault. Uh, He must not have checked back with the Associated Press. (laughs) Uh, so a few days ago, uh, the the AP reported uh, that 70% of the calls coming into the poison control hotline in Mississippi uh, were due to ivermectin overdoses. Well, then just a couple days ago, uh, they amended that very quietly uh, and said that in reality, the number is not 70%. It is a meager 2%. Oh. Two percent, and they misreported it as 70 percent initially. How they came up with that, I don't, I mean, that's quite, quite a discrepancy, it's, but yeah, you know, just, just a few very quietly, they 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 changed the number from 70 <laughs> to two.
1: That's an honest mistake. I mean, just you know, a billion or one. I mean, it's just yeah. one or the other.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I will I guess I won't blame Kimmel entirely for that. Um, but he certainly has editors and and people who look yeah. over his script and all that. And, and you would think someone who is just so in tune with the media um, would have would have checked back to make sure his facts were right. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so number three, why does it matter? Look, our culture is supposed to be centered on freedom. Uh, and then we, we built a society or a framework around it to maximize that freedom by putting in place laws and structures and, and institutions to ensure privacy and liberty. That's kind of like the bedrock of, of the United States. Uh, but now I think with COVID, we've just upended all of that. Uh, We've created a society that just can't function in a culture that values freedom. Our society is like the the default now uh, is to otherize people and to make an enemy out of anyone who's perceived to be wrong on something. Uh, Obviously, right now we're talking about vaccination. Uh, and Kimmel's just saying it right now, but we talked about this, Dan, yesterday. Uh, In Victoria, Australia, they're not just saying it, they're doing it. Uh, where they want to create an economy that literally the premier there in Victoria said is locking out people who choose not to get vaccinated because they're wrong. Uh, And I just, we're going down a dangerous road, I think.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, you listen to those comments and I remember during the debate about Obamacare when it first was happening, I think it was 2010 or somewhere around there and people, Sarah Palin famously said the death panels, you know, that, if you put in Obamacare, you're going to have these death panels of people deciding who lives and who doesn't. And, oh, that's crazy talk. You know, they're not going to ration health care. They're not going to tell old people their lives or they've lived a good life, go die. And um, and then you look at comments like this. First of all, we have seen, you know, discussions of that nature where they are making those decisions. And right, you look at a comment like that and it shows that they're all too willing. I mean, they. I guarantee you there's a clip of Kimmel somewhere mocking the death panel comment. And then here he is saying... Essentially that these people can live and these people can't based on what I think is um, proper. And they obviously are just proving they don't have a problem with that.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, I've seen some people pointing out in regard to Kimmel, the fact that in a lot of areas, the the unvaccinated rate, the area, the demographic where they're struggling the most is is among immigrant populations, illegal immigrant populations, minority populations. So the, it, these it, it's really not it's kind of incongruent with the left's general like party line on this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just wondering if it's going to come back to. To bite him, I don't know. It seems like like a lot of people on the left are, we you know, are just kind of immune to consequences from this kind of <laughs> from this kind yeah. of stuff. Uh, so you know, we'll see. Yeah. But I'm not going to hold my breath.
1: Yeah, yeah, we will see, uh indeed. But uh same thing, not holding my breath here. <laughs> All right, let's go to a little bit of positive news here. Trey, school kids in Tennessee are going to get more exposure to the Bible. Here's three things you need to know, starting with number one, the details. A Tennessee-based nonprofit called Bible in the Schools, or BITS, recently (laughs) presented Hamilton County Public Schools in Chattanooga with a $1.8 million gift as a reimbursement for its 2020-2021 countywide Bible History elective program. So for about 100 years, BITS has has provided Bible History elective courses for public school students in Hamilton County. Um, and they now reach about 29 public schools and thousands of students between grades 6 and 12. And, and they said, as we approach our 100th year, it's an honor to present this gift to our public schools as it represents the heart behind so many donors in this community. Uh, that's the BITS chairman, Tom Glenn. And he said, such generos- generosity makes the gift of Bible history available to so many young lives. So So the school district... Recorded the highest enrollment numbers for 2021 with 19,000 students in the county, electing to take Bible history courses with one in four students completing a Bible course for graduation credit. So number two, what, what do they learn? What do they learn in these courses? Uh, five courses are offered to students in, in middle school and high school grades. Sixth graders learn about creation and the flood in Genesis. Well, seventh grade students are taught about the wanderings in the wilderness and the 10 commandments in Exodus. Eighth graders go into more about the life of Jesus based on the book of Luke. And students in ninth through 12th grade get an overview of the Old and New Testament survey. Students also learn what the Bible says about the nature of God and man, along with a biblical overview of creation, the fall and redemption. So very cool. And number three, why does it matter? Well, I mean, the Bible's obviously the most important book in all of human history. And as Christians, we know, obviously, it provides hope and truth and the path to salvation. And so we should be praying for more of this type of thing around the nation. This is this is just great to see.
0: Yeah, you know, I can't help but think that so much of the problems that we face in society are due in part, probably... Yeah. In large part to the fact that we've kind of, we've shoved God out of our society. We've shoved God out of our culture. Obviously God is sovereign and he's present and, and, and we can't, we can't change the course of God's plan. Um, But there is something to be said about inviting the presence of God into the public square and into our school system and and, and into the things that we're dealing with. Um, And I think this is just a, a, a net good thing for everybody, whether you're a believer or not, um, to invite God to be present in society, uh, as, as believers, we know, um, that can only be a good thing. Um, so it's, it's encouraging to see this happening. And, and look, I think whether you're Christian or not, there's no, there's no denying that the Bible has significantly impacted culture, uh, particularly American culture, Western culture. So, you know, I think the more the merrier when it comes to this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: All right, story number four. So Whoopi Goldberg, one of the co-hosts of The View, uh, claimed today that the reason abortion exists is because people got tired of tripping over women in bathrooms with hangers in their body. Uh, So here are three things you need to know, starting with number one, the details. So Goldberg said abortion and the U.S. Supreme Court's ruling in 1973 on Roe v. Wade came about not for religious reasons, but because the procedure needed to be safe and clean. So here's what she had to say today. Here's the deal.
1: (laughs) Abortion did not
2: come around for religious reasons. The reason abortion came about is because people got tired of tripping over women in bathrooms with hangers in their body okay this was always supposed to be about safe and clean yeah your relationship with god and your relation or my relationship with god we'll talk to god god mm-hmm. talks to me god talks to you you know what god wants you to do yeah you wh- whatever you believe
0: First, I think as a Christian, Dan, I want to say that, uh, you know, what God says it's so I've always heard that our our relationships with God are personal, but they're not private. Uh, So, you know, our, the, the, what God says is not in scripture and, and through his revelation, general, you know, general revelation, whatever is not just, you know, for me and him, like, you know, he, he speaks into society and into human existence and the problem of sin and the problems of pain and suffering and all of that stuff. Uh, so it's not, you can't really make it, to, you can't really isolate it the way that she's saying it. If it's true for me, if it's a moral truth, an absolute objective moral truth, uh, then it is always true, uh, regardless of the situation and who it involves. So I'm, I have some issues with that. Uh, but Goldberg's comments were centered on the new. Uh, abortion law in Texas, which bans the termination of a pregnancy after six weeks, uh, which is before many women even know they're pregnant. Uh, so, and I have to a- add a side note here too. Uh, I said women, uh, but according to AOC, I should be calling them people who give birth, any menstruating person, or even, and this one is my favorite, a uterus holder. Uterus ho- <laughs> uh, she said all of those today, uh, and that's... The- That's an entirely different story I know that we don't have time for, but Uterus Holder, I I can't get over that one. (laughs) Um, So, (laughs) number two. Let me just, let's just go back to the subject at hand. So Goldberg's coat hanger claim is, is pretty difficult to really substantiate, at least legitimately. So in 2019, the Washington Post gave then Planned Parenthood president Lena Wen four Pinocchios for claiming similarly and repeatedly that prior to the Supreme Court's ruling on Roe v. Wade, thousands of women died every year as a result of botched back alley abortions a uh, fact checker glenn kessler who we've talked about here before yeah. uh, noted at the time that any statistics from the pre row days would be unreliable because unplanned pregnancies and abortions were considered by most of society then to be deeply shameful additionally given it was illegal to terminate pregnancy official statistics were not necessarily reliable indicators of mortality rates for abortion because they were, it's pretty hard to come by any of that kind of data when the the subject matter is illegal Uh, So Kessler concluded that Wen's claims that thousands of women died as a result of illegal abortions uh, was based on shoddy data. Uh, He went on to say that even given the fuzzy nature of the data and estimates, there is no evidence that in the years immediately preceding the Supreme Court's decision that thousands of women died every year in the United States from illegal abortions. And then, like I said, he gave her four Pinocchios. Uh, So I imagine if he was being honest, Glenn would have to give Whoopi a similar uh, you know, a similar result of four Pinocchios. Yeah. But we don't know if if, if you would be honest. Again, I don't know. Yeah. No. Uh, so number three, why does it matter? Look, uh, there really is just such a lack of willingness to to actually deal in facts when it comes to abortion, particularly from the media and the left. As Christians, we know we've talked about this time and time again, uh, that we value the sanctity of of all life from birth to natural death. Um, so we really shouldn't and, and can't have any conversation about this without realizing the valuable lives that, that hang in the balance, uh, meaning the unborn babies. It's not, they're not just a clump of cells. Right. Uh, it's not just something, you know, a disease to be done away with, or, um, you know, a cyst that we need to have removed. Uh, like it it is a, it's a human life. And, and I, I, I don't think we can really separate that from the conversation that I think bringing in the scare references that that Goldberg did, uh, particularly since they can't really be substantiated, uh, just muddies the water. And that's the intention. And I think as believers and certainly as pro-life Christians, we need to see that for what it is.
1: And the irony of calling an abortion safe and clean is just what actually happens to the child is anything but safe and clean. I mean, they die. Mm. So uh, not safe in any stretch of the imagination. So it's it's like you said, they're just distracting from the truth and it's it's sad. It's sad.
0: Yeah. And notice that uh rare has been removed from Oh totally. Gone. The the 1990s of safe, legal and rare that the Clintons touted. Yeah. Uh, We've we've completely removed the 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 rare rare. from that. It's it's safe, legal and shouted is the is these days. Right.
1: And of course none of the none of those things make killing someone good. Like safe. That's not safe for the person dying you know, legal doesn't make something good and rare if, Hey, let's just kill less people and it'll be great. You know, none of those things make any sense. And I think what you're seeing is people starting to realize is as science and technology validate more and more that that is life inside the womb. uh, You're seeing the argument now correspond appropriately because they have to adjust to that and say, Oh, Yeah, it's very obvious what's happening here. Now we have to just be okay with it and say it's choice and just double down and say, let's go. And we're good with that. We don't care if it's rare. Like we're, you know, we're okay with it. So I think that's the direction you're seeing society head.
0: Well, and I want to add to that that we... So we've kind of, in this whole conversation, I think something that we that's happened without us even knowing has happened is we've um we've made the government the arbiter of morality. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so if it's legal, then it must be moral. Right. But yeah. as Christians, we know that getting drunk is legal, but it's not moral. Right. Uh, so the same is true of taking a life in abortion. It may be legal, but that does not mean it is moral, and right. we shouldn't be looking to the government for our moral code.
1: Yeah. And the the legal part of that argument falls apart when you apply it to stuff like slavery. I mean, slavery was legal. At at some point so you can't just say oh it was legal well then you'd have to be for slavery then i guess uh, because that was legal at one time as well so all right that is all the time we have for this episode of four and three thanks for being here as always head on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for more news from a christian perspective you can subscribe to this podcast on itunes god bless we'll see you back here tomorrow